This episode is chock-a-block full of charm. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, lovely. Today's episode is inspired by a listener question that was submitted. We have not done one of these for a while, and I love these episodes. So as a reminder, you can swipe up on any episode, and linked there is the podcast website where you can either submit a typed-out question or an audio question like we received today from Sophie. Hi, Hilary. Thank you so much for everything that you do and especially for this podcast and the latest episode on motherhood uh, was really, really thought provoking for me. Um, for context, I'm a writer and I have two, two kids. Um, and I have a very small following on Instagram and I generally don't focus on Instagram. I'm a journalist and I write for different public, different outlets. So, um, but I, I do really enjoy the small community that I have on Instagram, but I notice that whenever I post there, um, about grief, um, which I've experienced, um, intimately a couple of times, um, more recent, most recently in November, that I get a lot of unfollows. And whenever I post about motherhood, I also get a lot of unfollows. And I'm wondering how you navigate as a content creator and as a writer, um, sharing all of yourself or all of those different facets of yourself. Obviously, we're not sharing all of ourselves with the internet, but those different facets of yourself um, in a way that doesn't end up self-selecting your your audience down to to a real niche because I don't just want mums to follow me I don't want to be a mummy blogger I don't want um just people experiencing grief to follow me um I want to be able to talk about joy as well and and all of the complex nuance rounded things uh well-rounded person that I am and um similarly with kind of beliefs and and things I don't just want one type of person to follow me and I think you model this really well in the way that you um share things on your own Instagram and I was wondering if you have any advice for somebody who's feeling really stunted on Instagram like they they're just so worried about triggering other people that they start not sharing parts of themselves and then realize that they're just avoiding the app altogether (laughs) um thank you sorry that was a very long rambly question but um thank you for everything you do and um take care bye Sophie, I love this question because I think it has such deep applications for both business and personal life that it truly is a question that applies to us all, even though you have your unique angle to it. And in a meta way, (laughs) answering it is going to also show you how I include and encompass so many people in my answers and my teaching, even though you specifically were asking about Instagram, for example, as a business, this truly, I can see, is a broader desire that many of us have in many different relationships, whether it's Instagram or any platform, whether it's business or personal. So I have five takeaways for us. Number one being... Let's start at the very beginning, a very good place to start. Number one, no one is for everyone. And I think the base of your question that we should begin with is a desire to be liked by everyone, 
pleasing to everyone, palatable to everyone, appreciated, you're connected, you are sharing something deeply personal to you. And it can feel painful. It can feel wounding. It can feel like rejection or criticism or kind of an an emotional shoving motion when you share something deeply personal to you about being a mother or this delightful or very deeply important area of your life such as being a mother. And simultaneously, someone that day unfollows you or a few someones unfollow you. First off, just as a little aside, what I want to point out is those two things aren't necessarily correlated. One thing is a little Instagram offshoot here. If you have a post that gets more engagement than your traditional posts, more people may see it. You may pop up more in other people's feeds, at which point they may say, who is Sophie? Why did I start following her? I don't really remember. I haven't seen her for forever. Unfollow. It could be completely unrelated to them going, ugh, motherhood. It might simply be you popped up more and they realized, oh, I didn't, I, I'm not interested in this topic. Or that was just the day that they sat down and had listened to one of my podcast episodes where they got convicted about following less than two to 300 people on Instagram and went, you know what? It's time for my deep dive purge. And that could simply have been the day you posted about motherhood and you're making those two things, you know, correlation doesn't equal causation. Is that the thing? So one, we need to notice that the story you have, which may or may not be true, is motherhood and trauma are topics that people are are not interested in. And and we want to question that to begin with. And the other story is I, I don't want to be unfollowed. I don't want to experience the criticism, the rejection, the rebuke that it feels like when I get that unfollow. And we experience that in life as well. We bring up something in a conversation and the conversation doesn't really take off or we send it via text and the person doesn't respond. And we can make it mean they were triggered by that topic. They didn't want to talk about that thing. It could simply be they were in a very distracted headspace because of something that happened earlier and they're not really listening to your conversation, but that's because it's what's happening for them. They could not text back because they were busy for something and with something that isn't actually correlated to the topic that you brought up. So I think that is just worth starting with. And I share that as someone who struggles so deeply with not being liked. I would love to be one of those people who's like, oh, I just have a thick skin. Everything rolls off my back. I am not that person. So when it comes to accepting this first point that no one is for everyone, I also want to acknowledge, A, that's harder for some personality types than others. Some people really are fine. Like, oh yeah, I'll attract and repel some people. No one's for everyone, whatever. I am not that person. (laughs) So it might be your personality type that you are an Enneagram 2. You're a people pleaser. And that really breaks your heart. For, For me, I'm just like a romantic and I'm a connector. And it may go back to your your past, your childhood, some wound or scarcity you have. You are, you, you've had things in your past that lead you to be very terrified of abandonment or you grew up in a very highly critical home and therefore those unfollows, you see them as criticism and that's so deeply wounding for you. So B, it may be something in your past and C, to honor where Sophie's coming from also, in business, we think that 
more followers is better. And the complexity in this day and age of being an online entrepreneur is that we have this tension. When Sophie is unfollowed and she believes that it is because people are not interested in her shares about motherhood and trauma, it's triggering on two fronts. It feels dismissive because those are deeply personal and important parts of her life. And so that feels like a little bit of a rejection. And simultaneously, she is supporting herself through her business. And so that also feels like there's a an extra layer of, oh my gosh, if, if too many people unfollow, will I not have readers for my pieces? Or will I just not feel like I have an, an outlet to share when I have wisdom? And that feels fulfilling to me. And we really want to honor that as well. I think if you are someone who's not in entrepreneurship, it might be easy to think, well, well who cares about follower count, you know? But this is your livelihood. I mean, imagine if you were getting that feedback in whatever your corporate job is, and you started to think, not only do I feel rejected by my coworker who didn't really respond to that, but I also just got a little bit nervous about my job security. You know, there really is the double whammy for that. So when I say, number one, no one is for everyone, I also want to acknowledge all the complex weight that comes with that. And in no way am I being dismissive like, oh, Sophie, it's no big deal. Or you know, get a get a thick skin or anything like that. Um, and I think when I said in business, we think that more followers is better, even that is a story. The story could also be, I will be given the people that I am meant for. I will be given the people that I am called to. I will be given enough support, enough attention in the universe for whatever God and, and my destiny has planned for my work, for my career, all of that. So it's holding both of these things. We cannot be for everyone. And here's all the reasons why we really want to be, because we don't want to be rejected. We want to be safe. We want to be liked and loved and approved and validated. And we want career success and we want community, which is why it is so hard for most of us to say, I really would like to be liked by everyone, though. So that's number one. Number two, it is okay to edit yourself. In certain mediums, maybe, this isn't the place where you might share about certain topics. Uh, things that come to mind for me, I really love the uh, Bachelor franchise, and I love college football. Those are two things that over the years, when I've shared them here and there, my audience doesn't really respond to. That's, those are not things that the majority of us have in common. So I just text about them with my own friends and family, and I don't really share about it on Instagram. However, the motherhood conversation that I began on Instagram, followed up in a podcast, followed up in a second podcast that Sophie mentioned, it was because it resonated so deeply that we've continued that conversation. You've given me that feedback. So it also might be, Sophie, that perhaps that isn't what your audience wants to hear about. And that might be okay to say, I tested it out and this topic didn't really resonate. And she said, we, we, uh, we I edited her message down because it was a little bit longer, but she said at one point, I wanted, I want to... I want to share all of myself, not meaning every single thing behind the scenes, but I want to feel like I have that breadth and that diversity. I also think there's that balance that sometimes we say, this person, this community, this 
platform, this area of my life, isn't quite the appropriate topic for this. In the same way that, let's say you were really passionate about sex education and sex empowerment, and you are a kindergarten teacher. Maybe that topic with your colleagues is not the right place for it. Maybe that's something you talk about with your girlfriends, but in your workplace, that just doesn't feel like the the right fit. I talk about my faith or entrepreneurship or marriage differently with friends that share that, with friends that have that background. So we all do subconsciously edit ourselves. I shouldn't say we all. I think most of us, probably those of us that maybe are a little more self-aware about the cues we're getting back, we pick up on, you know, I talked about this topic and the person didn't really seem that into it. So I realized, I just don't think they share my passion for that. And over time, I talk to them about it less. Whereas this other friend, man, we really clicked on it. We can jam back and forth. When I want to talk about that topic, I'm going to go to that friend. They are the person. She also said at another point, um, I don't I don't want to be a mommy blogger. She's not saying, I want to talk about motherhood all the time and I want to get this community of people that want to talk about mommy blogging. And I think that's about saying, we can do the occasional post on anything with friends who don't share my my faith or they aren't married or they aren't entrepreneurs. I'm going to mention those things all the time, uh, now and then. I'm not siloing them off and trying to hide that part of my life, but it may also not be the main connective tissue in that friendship. Just like it might not be the recurring theme of your Instagram, Sophie, as a writer and journalist, if motherhood is not something you often write about, then you mention it on your kid's birthday. You mention it on Mother's Day, etc. It comes up on occasion, but it would be different if you were a parenting coach, a parenting expert. If you're writing often about the effects of multi-generational, etc., etc., then that becomes a core recurring theme. And so I think it's also noticing that in our different relationships. I don't need to hide this part of myself, but is this with this person? And that could be an individual. That could be you're at a mom's group and you're like, oh, the rest of these moms aren't really on the same page with me as, as this. You know, it could be your in-laws family where you're like, oh, yeah, I talk about this at my family. We don't talk about this at my in-laws. We all have those things that subconsciously we kind of edit ourselves. And I don't think that that is inappropriate at all. I think it's actually really positive and respectful because we're we're taking our cues from the other side. I would imagine we've all had this experience where you're talking to someone who is going on and on and on about a topic that you're not interested in. <laughs> You don't really have any questions to ask. You don't really have anything to say. There's not really anything you can contribute to the conversation. And you might be thinking, they're not picking up on the fact that this isn't really a two-way conversation because, or they're not picking up on the fact that we've been here for a long time and I haven't really said anything because this really isn't my topic. So I think that editing yourself is is normal and we can't we shouldn't necessarily think of it as, oh, I have to hide this part of my life. But we can take that feedback from others and say, this is what seemed to be resonating, didn't seem to be resonating, and and trusting that we can be our full selves with all of our relationships altogether. It doesn't mean that 
I talk at 100% about every topic that matters to me on Instagram. There are some that I talk about with this girlfriend. There's some that I talk about with my husband. There's some that I talk about with my mother. No person in my life gets every single topic at the same respect. But I think sometimes specifically in, in certain relationships or on Instagram, it can feel like this community, this place doesn't doesn't validate, respect, honor, appreciate this area of my life, and that can feel kind of wounding, I think then we just shift and say, well, let me talk about it with other people. Maybe Instagram isn't where I share about motherhood, but I share about it with other women in my life. If it does, if it isn't really resonating here, I can find that someplace else. And then it feels less like we're trying to fit ourselves into a box for a group of people, or we're feeling frustrated that we aren't you know, welcomed for our whole selves. Which kind of brings me to point number three, that sadly, we are very self-centered in this digital age. Meaning there, we get, we, we give comments like, you know, unfollowing. Just the simple comment on a post of unfollowing is saying, I'm going to punish or shame you because you aren't in this moment being what I want or need. You aren't speaking to the topics I'm interested in or in the way that I am interested in them or with the outcome and the takeaway and teaching that I believe is right or that I needed to hear in this season of my life or that I needed to hear today. And on the one hand, it is absolutely fine that, that we really picture in every human relationship, there are two people in this relationship. And so on Instagram, you have autonomy with what you're posting. You have autonomy with what you're consuming. And these are other individuals that are also just saying, oh, yeah, I just felt like purging my Instagram today. Or, you know, I I felt triggered when she shared about trauma because I just went through a deep loss. And that's just not the headspace I'm in. I just, it it just, I don't want to hear about any of that. Meanwhile, somebody else was so deeply blessed because you shared about that because it was at the perfect time for them. But we, so I think it's good that we curate our feeds. I've talked about this. If anyone is triggering you, if you are hate following, if you are, if anyone makes you angry, if anyone makes you feel less about your life or whatever, unfollow. I'm not saying by any means that that's a bad thing, but there are also, when we swing the pendulum, there is a dark side to the idea that I only want to take in information that agrees with me. And it just takes emotional maturity, honestly, to say, I've shared this before, I think when we are truly at peace with an area in our life We aren't triggered by other people having a different opinion or experience. And when we are a little bit insecure or tender, we are therefore defensive and we feel triggered when someone disagrees with us politically or religiously or says they don't want children when we're a mother or they get pregnant when we've decided that we, we don't want to have children. And when you're at peace with that, you're not bothered by someone else sharing that they got divorced. If you have peace in your marriage, that that doesn't sound as alarming to you as it does when you're kind of feeling like you're hanging on by a thread 
And then somebody else gets divorced and it feels like, oh my gosh, if they're not safe, then we're not safe. That's a that's a story. That's a correlation. So I think it's knowing we may trigger other people. There's something else she said in her message. I don't want to trigger people. That's a beautiful sentiment. But there is no way we can go through life not triggering other people because I could trigger someone walking down the street because I look like someone who hurt them in the past (laughs) or the size of my body is smaller than theirs and that is painful to them or my name is Hillary and they hate Hillary Clinton with a passion and so they don't like me just because of my first name. I mean, there's nothing I can do about the way my face looks, what my first name is, or the shape of my body. So if I truly went around saying I'm going to try to not trigger anyone, I'm taking on way too much responsibility. And and what I'm ultimately saying is I'm going to try to control myself so that I can control your response. Because it makes me feel bad if you get triggered. So it sounds like I'm being really generous and selfless, which I totally trust is your heart, Sophie. I don't want to trigger people either. But really beneath the surface, one, it's selfish because it's saying it's that it makes me uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with your uncomfort, your anger, your dislike. And also, there is a sense of I I want to control you. If I can be palatable enough, then I can control your response. And we just can't control other people's responses. So I think it is having to be okay, which again, I'm not good at these things, that people are going to unfollow you, that you are going to have friendships that fade away as your interests change, as your seasons change. You're going to have friendships that never really take off. You were reaching out to someone. You always felt like you were sending all the texts. You it just you never really made plans. We all have those times when we were doing our best to connect either with a physical person we're looking at or someone through the internet, and they're just not really feeling it on the other side. And also being okay with the fact that other people won't necessarily be okay with that. They There are times when they are going to be angry that you aren't responding in the way that they want, and they will criticize or make you feel guilty or be passive aggressive. And it's saying, I, I think it's having the wisdom and the maturity to say, this, this woman, Sharon, she's She's making me feel guilty that, you know, I don't want to go hiking with her, (laughs) but I'm just not a hiking person. And I can honor that Sharon loves hiking and Sharon wants friends to go hiking with her. And that makes it a more joyful experience and it makes her feel less alone and it makes her feel like she's being productive because she's moving her body while she's making connections. I can honor that whole story for Sharon and I can say it, it has nothing... It has nothing to do with me. Sharon is is upset that I'm not going to get into hiking. And there are also going to be times when I'm the one who wants to hike and the Sharons of the world are like, I just, she never, Sharon never got back to me. I'm feeling rejected. It goes both ways. And again, that there is a blend of sometimes that's healthy. We can say, I want to do what I want to do. And other times our unhealthy tendency can come out, which is, you know, unfollowing, unacceptable, 
passive aggressive, you know, th those kinds of things on Instagram or just over text, passive aggressive. Well, I guess you just must be really busy right now. Like those things come out because the person is saying, I, I don't like that you are not being who I, I want you to be. And for me, the best thing that has helped me in this, again, I'm not there perfectly, but the best thing that has helped me is really saying, I am, I have the people I am meant to have. And I am not meant to have a bigger audience in this season. I am not meant to have more friends. You know, God or the universe will give me the people that I am called to, who I need, how many I need. And I think that is kind of the core, whether we're talking about an online business following or in-person relationships, that what we want is connection. And what we're afraid of is not having enough. And so when we can focus on, I do believe I have enough and I, I am connected, as opposed to focusing on the, the scarcity and the disconnection. And of course, we can take that to the other extreme and think, okay, God will send me all the people. Well, he's probably not going to have your husband knock on your front door. So you do need to, you know, get out there. Um, I did an episode very early on in the podcast that I'll link below on intentionally curating friendships and kind of the process I went through in that. And so, yes, I put forth effort into building more friendships, not just crossing my arms and being like, well, if I'm supposed to have friends, God will send them to me. You know, yes, in a business, you want to grow your audience. It doesn't mean that you put zero effort into marketing and relationship building in that part of your audience. And you just say like, I'm just going to manifest that I have all the people that I need. So we're not taking it to the other extreme of not trying. But I think where more of us are coming from is because we focus on the scarcity and the disconnection that can even disengage us more from doing the basics of connecting. We've been hurt by friends in the past, so we don't try with new friends. We've been 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 disappointed with dating in the past, so we just don't want to try and put ourselves out there. We uh, it is triggering and upsetting when we've gotten unfollows, so now we start to second guess everything that we post. We start to overanalyze and overthink. I have absolutely been there. I am still there. That is such a challenge for me when it comes to Instagram. But I really think it goes back to our three-part series on enough, which I will link below as well, that our natural default state is to always want more. And I think that is probably biological. We are always supposed to want to, you know, gather up more food so that we have it the next day and have more connections so that people are there to protect us in the wild. And we want to be moving forward and evolving and technology and all of that over the centuries of the earth. But that means that it will never be enough if we don't actively tell ourselves, I have the people that I am meant to have. And whether that is in friendships or my church community, or my community online. Number one, not, no one is for everyone. Not everyone is going to like me. <laughs> and it's okay to edit myself in different relationships because I'm not looking for one person or one community, one place to be everything. So I'm going to be okay in that way. And I'm going to trigger some people that I'm not quite what they want to be. And that's okay because actually they're not my people and they're trying to cling to me. You know, I, I'm triggering them in some way, but I, I pray for their peace. 
I pray for their joy and confidence, and I go along, you know, myself. And also, number four, we are very sadly polarized in this digital age. We are easily triggered. We have been taught to vilify people who disagree with us. I think with algorithms, the reality is the more shock value you have, the more engagement. Fear is sadly a more powerful motivator than love. And so that kind of gets amplified. And it can be very easy if you aren't intentionally curating your Instagram feed. As I I feel, again, it should be two or 300 people or less that you say these people make me feel better, educated, inspired, knowledgeable. They don't trigger me, you know, et cetera. But, all, but I also ideally, they they challenge me in good ways. I think it's be the change you want to be in the world. <laughs> be the change you want to see in the world. So in addition to Sophie is saying, I want to curate a diverse audience and not have a monolith of people. I think it's also saying for ourselves and I want to experience a diverse community. I want to choose not just to hear from all people who feel exactly like me, who agree with me exactly. And I've got to be wise about choosing those people because I don't want to just get get triggered. If I'm feeling hot and angry at these people I follow, is there maybe someone less polarizing yet who disagrees with me that I could follow? And I posted a month or so ago now that I got the vaccine, 650 people unfollowed me in a day. I didn't say you need to get the vaccine. I didn't shame anyone for not having gotten the vaccine. And I even very intentionally, was very intentional with my post. I did a little song and dance. This girl is on Pfizer. This girl is on Pfizer. She's walking on Pfizer. So I intentionally made it a little bit light and fun, you know, in in kind of a singing way. I also just honored my privilege being in the U.S., knowing that I have followers from all over the the world that aren't able yet to get the vaccine. And I I thought that could be triggering to someone to be like, ugh, almost feel like you're showing off that you got it or, well, nice, you know, nice to be you. I also noted that um, we would be going back to church once we were um, once we were vaccinated, and then I put in parentheses: Does anyone know how to weep while wearing a mask? Because I knew that there was also going to be people that were going to be like, "Make sure you're still wearing your mask." So I was covering them. Then I also spoke about the heartbreak in India, and I gave a a, a specific resource because I'm not an expert on the area, but my friend Hitha. Um, is is and was posting beautifully on that. And so I also was just kind of saying like, this is still a very real thing. I acknowledge that people are in pain. We shouldn't be just being like, phew, we're, we're over it. You know, so there's so much that I was making sure there were so many things that, that could have included people, that people could have spoken to. They could have simply said, you're fun, or I love it when you sing, or that's hilarious. They could have spoken about empathy for other countries, or even just said, I'm I'm happy for you, even if I make a different choice, you know, by simply saying, you're hilarious. 
That doesn't have to mean that someone isn't simultaneously saying, I personally don't believe in the vaccine and I don't believe it's safe for for me and my family. That has nothing to do with the sentence. Oh, hilarious. I I thought that was a funny play on words. I don't have to be triggered by the fact that it's the vaccine unless I am someone who feels very defensive about the fact that most people are getting vaccinated and I am not. And so I need to make sure every person who is, it immediately is cut out of my life. That's just not a realistic way to go about coming together as a a world. So I think if we desire to be more inclusive, it also is challenging ourselves. You know, when I talk about my Instagram feed, I challenge myself to Find women of different ages, of different body types, of different ethnicities. I I try to not just myself be inclusive, but to take in inclusive and diverse you know, perspectives. Instead, sadly, on this post, I got comments like, gross, ew, paid ad. Like, would anyone say gross or ew if I said I'm pregnant and they've chosen to be child-free, or if I talk about being an entrepreneur and someone else has decided to be a kindergarten teacher or a full-time stay-at-home mom or a finance broker, like, no. (laughs) You would just say you've made a different choice with your life. But I have to remind myself in that moment, number one, I can't please everyone and be myself. So I, I, to be authentic to myself, this is what I this is what I did with my day. I got the vaccine and I'm deeply grateful. Oh, I think I also said my parents are are coming. We're going to, you know, be able to they were supposed to come a year ago. We've waited a year for this trip. I'm so excited. I mean, that's something that we could all be able to relate on. Being able to see our family however we've handled or been impacted by you know, this virus is a connection point. But I can't please everyone to be myself. <laughs> Number 2, if they don't want this on their feed, if they cannot be friends, even on the internet, with someone who makes different medical choices for their body, I want to say cool. I don't really mean cool because I don't actually think that's a cool way to live, to be like, if you make a different choice, I will disown you. Like who, you know, it just, that's not the the enlightened way that we want to live. But on the other hand, genuinely cool. Like if I truly do trigger you, I don't want you to be here, but I also don't want to walk on eggshells constantly terrified that I'm going to trigger you. And number three, I did think through so many various angles. I worked to be inclusive. I worked to make sure that my language wasn't shaming, my language wasn't blaming. It had multiple different things you could comment on that you could be distracted by. You know, you could hold on to one little phrase there and say, oh, you get to see your parents. That's so beautiful. Simultaneously. I'm choosing not to take the vaccine, but I don't have to tell you that. I can simply be happy that you are seeing your family and celebrate that with you. But even when we go to all of those lengths, it doesn't mean that it will be enough. And even using Instagram as a microcosm, but looking to any of our relationships, I shared numerous times on my Instagram stories that I was getting the vaccine, that I was like up at four in the morning, the day that the appointments went live, I was trying, it was like a whole kerfuffle here in New York trying to get an appointment. And the community was with me. Like people were DMing, they were helping, they were giving advice. My friend in New York did this. I got not one single negative message. But I have a larger community over on my Instagram feed. And those 650 people, they're not hanging out with me every day on stories. 
So I realized that that also is the difference. The stories crew is is deep. <laughs> we y'all know a lot more. We go deeper. We have more complex issues and conversations over there. And so that's something that again can happen to any of us where we're like, "Oh, I've been talking to all my friends over here about the vaccine. It didn't even occur to me to um to to censor myself." And then I went and had a conversation, you know, with my extended family and somebody was triggered or you know, I'd been talking about uh, I, I have a friend that is doing um, IVF on Instagram right now, and she's been getting some people pushing back that she's like, you know, she's not being a good enough Christian because she's not trusting God, et cetera. Somebody is going to have that perspective. But if you were talking about it with the people in your life and everyone was being that supportive, sometimes it can seem a little shocking when you're like, oh, I went and had that conversation at, at work. I had that conversation at church, and I realized – oh, everybody doesn't agree with me here, but they had been, they do agree with me in this other area of my life. And so I didn't think to be extra cautious about it. So I think the core of teaching that you are really looking for, Sophie, is my final point number five, which is to look for shared experiences. You know, just examples from today's episode, Sophie's perspective and question was about Instagram followers. And I then expanded the conversation to bring in other friends and relationships. Her question really was about business advice, and I expanded it to be general life advice that we can all struggle with not being okay, not being liked, and uh, that we can have this desire in a variety of areas of our lives to feel more inclusive, to not feel like people are not welcome and feel seen and heard in our lives. And that's really, I'm so honored, Sophie, that you, you feel that I do this well. That's really what I do in so much of my teaching is that I truly believe we have more in common than we realize. And so I just authentically and organically. It's not calculated. It's just genuinely the way my head and heart works. I look for the shared humanity in things. And that doesn't mean everything is going to apply to every person. But in general, when Sophie wants to speak about grief, most everyone has had some grief or loss or disappointment in their life. When And when you want to speak about motherhood, this is your profile. You know, it's not selfish to share your life. Uh, it's okay sometimes to say not everyone here is going to be to resonate with, with motherhood, but I share that now and then. But mostly, I focus on the shared experience. And even just as another business aside, by the way, that really is the difference to me between an influencer and a teacher and I, I, I do not mean this, that one is better than the other, but an influencer tends to more so share their life. You want to follow along with their life, what their kid is doing, where, you know, what, what's, what's happening for them, kind of more in a celebrity way. You just, uh, you're curious to know what this person is up to. Whereas a teacher is more so, I'm here because you help me think about myself. You help me grow and reflect in my life. But a teacher is still an individual. So there's going to be times when you are going to share, I'm posting something about motherhood. 
Not all of my followers are mothers. This isn't going to necessarily speak to everyone. But now and then I do that because I'm I'm Sophie. I'm Hillary. I'm sharing my own experience. I don't never mention marriage to my girlfriends that are single. You know, I don't have this fear that I can only speak about things that you can deeply relate to in this moment. But by and large, as a teacher, and I think Sophie is a writer and a journalist, this would be her her vision as well. I am here to connect with other people. I'm here to teach, educate, inspire, make people think about their lives. Yes, you're getting, you know, my behind the scenes, but when I do last week's episode on motherhood, I'm not sharing it, it from the vision that you are listening because you're just so on pins and needles about whether Jeremy and I are going to have a baby. And you're just like, oh, I could just listen to her talk about her own life for an hour. It has nothing to do with me. I just really, I mean, I'm not, I'm not the Kardashians, you know, their show is all about them and I watch it and I love it. But for, for me, it's about here is a topic that I think does apply to either every single one of us or people that we love. Because the person that has always known they want to be a mom, they have a sister, a sister-in-law, a friend who doesn't share that same desire. Or now you have your own grown children and one of them doesn't want to have children. So I can see the, the universal shared experience that this is a very pervasive and prevalent conversation in culture. And I'm going to share very deeply and personally, but in a way that also brings in tons of examples, as I just did right there. I gave you so many different examples of people that might be listening and saying, yes, that was me. Yes, that was me. And by noting and nodding to all of those, it's not just the the Hillary show. Overall, I think it's A, you notice your language and choose to speak inclusively. I think that's the very practical two takeaways here. First is noticing your language. You will notice throughout the podcast, Instagram, ways in which I I verbally, audibly, in written text include other people in the words that I choose. I very often say God or the universe, whatever your belief is. I also share, I'm a Christian. My dad is a preacher. I met my husband at church. <laughs> That's very much my worldview. But the the way I experience God and faith in the Bible is, is also very similar to a lot of other spiritual teachings and beliefs. And I focus on how much of that we have in common rather than, oh, well, this part's only in the Bible. Yeah. So you're, you know, you're in and you're out. You're, you're on, you're on, you're on my side or you're not. If you either, you know, do you, do you believe in baptism by immersion? Because that's, I mean, that's really what we're here to discuss, right? I'm like, no, we're here to discuss like love and compassion and loving your neighbor. And, you know, like that, that to me, we can have a, a myriad of spiritual religious perspectives and have that in common. I will often say, I will most commonly reference husband. That would be my natural, as a heterosexual married woman, I would most commonly, knowing that I have predominantly a female audience, a uh, you know straight cisgender audience who is either married or desires to be married, that that's very the most common language. But I also very often will say husband or wife, spouse, partner, trying to leave little breadcrumbs to say. You might be a same-sex couple. You might have 
been in a lengthy relationship but chosen not to have been legally married. I want to sprinkle that in so that over time, you know this is an inclusive place and I'm not presuming that everyone here has the exact same story. When I mentioned motherhood, I'll say, you know, children or grandchildren. We have such age diversity in this community, which I love, that I don't picture that everyone here is you know, 25 to 44 and becoming parents, we have a huge contingency of, you know, 45 to 75 that might be grandparents. And so I think that that intentionality in the diversity of our language is one very specific application that we can take to just notice what are, what do, what's the default language that I go to because most people in my life are straight. Most people in my life are Christian. Most people in my lives are, you know, in the mothers, not mothers. Most people in my life are married, et cetera. And I think the other practical example, B, is look for the core heart, what we have the most in common. And when you want to share something, expand it for the breadth that gathers everyone. We've all been through loss. We all want to be more connected. We all want a better future for our children. That's something we truly can all hear and, and feel heard when it's spoken. So I think it's also in the specific language that you use, the specific examples and analogies, and then also in the breadth of saying, I can post about, you know, how 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 cute th this card is that my son made me for Mother's Day, or I can post about how handmade things and experiences truly are the most valuable in life. And I would much rather have a handmade card than a piece of jewelry. That's just me. I like Now we're talking about love languages. We're talking about consumerism. We're talking about thoughtfulness. Now we can just say, what are your most prized possessions? Do you have something handmade that someone made for you? Now you've taken your very personal, unique, Sophie individual story and made it something we can all connect with, as opposed to we're looking at you going, oh, that's nice for her. You've welcomed us in to then think about our own story. And truly, that's what the best writers do. There's occasional books, as I'm meeting with publishers and and getting to this next phase in my own style book, I've been talking about this a lot with colleagues and my book coach, that there are certain authors, like when I read the Rob Lowe autobiography, I'm just there for Rob. I mean, I'm not really being like, look how much Rob and I have in common. It's just kind of escapist. I'm like, oh, Malibu in the 70s, so cool. Oh my gosh, you know, this person, that person. But those are the rare books. Most of the books, the, the nonfiction books that we read, the self-help books, it's or I suppose that's the difference between reading an autobiography about someone else or a self-help book. And a self-help book might share a lot of personal stories. It might even be under the memoir category, but you really is a, you know, your experience with adoption or being adopted written in such a way that anyone who is interested or affected by that topic feels so seen and like they have they've they've connected and all of that. I think that's really what we're trying to do and even though that seems like a writer skill set, which Sophie and I both happen to be writers, I think we can bring that into our personal relationships. I think that's a skill that you can build to say, I want to be a little bit less self-centered 
in my storytelling even, in the topics that I share and I bring up in conversation. I want to invite people in. I want to expand them out. I want to look for the ways in which we could connect. And I think you can notice when people do it well. You can break down you know, I'm so different from that person, but they really made me feel included. Or they told a very personal story, but then I realized that it made me think of my own story. What was it in that post, in that conversation, in that sermon, that TED talk that really brought me in? Was it the words they used? Was it the the angle, the teaching, you know, the the broader purpose and meaning? It goes for me all the way back to episode 17, which is, I'll link below, one of my favorite episodes of the podcast, where I said, mostly it was one of my favorite episodes because I talked about both abortion and immigration and I didn't get a single negative comment. And that's really because my perspective was, what if, just suspend disbelief for a minute if this feels foreign to you, but what if people who were both pro-life and pro-choice love children so much. And the driving core of their heart is, I just love children. And therefore, we cannot be aborting children. We must be bringing them into the world. And the other side says, we cannot be bringing children into the world unless they have health care, unless they have education, unless they can be supported. And if they're going to struggle their whole lives, that's not a life. I, I'd rather take my energy and my resources from from the abortion laws and go put it into education and, and health care and, and child care and all of these things because I love children so much. But if both sides say, you hate children, you hate women, you hate, then of course, what a monster of someone who hates other people. You're not going to feel like you have anything in common with them because we all believe we are kind, good-hearted people. And I think that's a belief you have to choose to be inclusive. If you really don't believe that everyone you come in contact with has those core desires to connect, to be seen, to feel accepted, to be loved, to grow, to be a good person. Like if you don't see all of humanity in that way, then you do naturally feel like it's us and them. And I think when you do feel that way, that you can come more from how can I include people even more? And I think it's really, therefore, an area of us for us to challenge and examine our own hearts. And and I also will be honest in saying that. That is naturally my worldview, this, this vision of humanity. And if you truly don't believe that they, that someone who has a different religious political lifestyle belief than you do, if you don't truly believe in their bones, they are good, kind, brilliant, wise, thoughtful, then it's not going to feel authentic. And I think that comes through. It People are going to be able to see and feel. She's saying everyone is here, but 
I can just note that there's a tone of derision under here. I I can't put my finger on it, but I think I'm just being manipulated. I think she's just telling me what she wants me to feel, to try to get me in so she can convince me to think more like her, you know, et cetera. But I also will acknowledge that if it's your if your mission is a specific worldview, that it can be challenging to be more inclusive. And I don't don't mean to speak that people who do have a narrow focus are necessarily doing something wrong. You know, my my pastors, my church account is not going to say God or the universe or whatever you believe. I mean, their whole ethos is it's about God. It's about the Bible. Now, they want to speak about it in an inclusive way that welcomes people who might be new to faith, have questions about faith, be unsure. But they're not going to be like, whatever you believe, you believe, <laughs> you know. But I'm not a church. I'm not here predominantly to speak to you about a religion. So everybody here should be included. You might not say, you know, care about the planet, don't care about the planet, whatevs. If environmentalism is your whole thing, you might be pretty passionate. Guys, we need to get better on board with this. Like, it's not okay to still be, I'll be honest, environmentalism is not my thing, so I don't know what are the things that you would say. Like, it's not okay to be using plastic straws anymore. It's not okay to be, like, whatever it is. So there are times when it is more challenging for us to be inclusive because we do have a clear worldview. And I I don't think inclusivity is about watering down our beliefs. I think back to how we can be really polarized and we can really feel like everything should be all about us. Some of the energy we see in cancel culture is people saying, you have not included me. And we just, back to number one, not everything is for every person. I mean, it just, our our community centers, our churches, our mother's groups, whatever, they're likely going to have some similarity. And if you're, you know, if you're the only new mother at 50 who's in a group with a bunch of teen mothers, you're probably not going to feel that connected. Not every mother's group is going to be the same. If you're in a very affluent mother's group where everyone's talking about their Whole Foods purchases and you are working through jobs and barely getting by, you're probably not going to feel super welcome there. It doesn't mean that the teen mom's group or the wealthy mom's group are doing anything wrong. They're just being authentic to themselves. So I don't think it's about watering down our beliefs or beliefs or tripping over ourselves trying to include every person in every statement, but I think it's a general posture of our heart. You know, if you want to come in and listen to one podcast episode and say, well, she didn't mention the transgender community in that podcast, you know, like you can pluck out, oh, I listened to one thing she said and she didn't cover everybody. And I get those DMs sometimes that are like, you know, you didn't talk about this angle. Uh, we we had a conversation about uh, sex and pleasure recently that's um, in my pinned stories. And someone was like, you need to clarify that uh, what Christian denomination you come from because the denominations are different and blah, 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 blah. And I just said, I appreciate your passion, but I am not your girl. <laughs> I'm trying to have a conversation here that encompasses very conservative Christian women who are waiting until they um, are married to have se- to have sex who are, you know, 
virgins in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, whatever, with women who would think that that is oppressive and would mock that. And like, I was like, I'm trying to hold space for all of the people. I am not here to parse doctrinal, doctrinal differences. So I can't, you are, you are looking through the lens of what, how is she not speaking exactly to me as opposed to, wow, she's really making space for a lot of variety here. And so again, we just aren't going to be able to speak to everyone and anything I say somebody could parse out. But by and large, the overall ethos of who I am and the breadth of how I speak is inclusive, does make space for everyone. And so anyone who is looking to feel included as opposed to looking for how am I going to be excluded? How is this not exactly for me? How could this person who is giving me free content <laughs> that I have not paid anything for, do something more specifically for me, that person is always going to be there. But I think the the true nature of our hearts as it just colors our whole lives is more of what people experience. And we need to release that that still is just not going to speak to everyone. So for me, it's really about a desire to include more people then you exclude. To honor their stories, their beauty, their wisdom, their hearts, truly honor them and not feel like my perspective is the, the best. My perspective is the right one. I think that's both with the language that you use verbally to include them and also just as important with seeking the universal themes that connect all of us. And I think not coincidentally, because I just naturally am a moderate and a inclusive personality, my business has focused on all of those things. And I, in saying this in closing, I do want to honor again that's not what everyone is called to. If you truly are called to be a progressive anti-racist, this doesn't mean that we're trying to include all the white supremacists over here, just not to trigger anybody. So I'm not saying that we all need to include all the people, even for myself, in, in inclusivity. Back to point number one, I know I'm not here for 100% of people. I, I see myself as here for the center 80%. If you are the most extreme on the right or on the left, whatever, I'm not going to be extreme enough for you. You're, you're going to be triggered that I'm not posting every single day a Bible verse or every single day about anti-racism or, you know, every single hot topic that comes along or whatever. So I see that I'm I'm here for the, the center 80%. And maybe you feel that you're called to the, you know, 60% on the left or the 60% on the right. And so I, I do want to honor that we aren't all called to this true moderate center of inclusivity. But I think even within those, you can say, am I wanting to exclude people or am I truly wanting more people to feel that they have something in common with me, even if we're a little bit different, even if we're a little bit further apart? So for my business, my podcast and Instagram, it's not all about business or style. It's our whole lives. You don't have to be an entrepreneur. You don't have to care that much 
about style or be interested in what clothes I'm wearing or, or like my clothes or want to organize your closet. Like those are all things that we are going to touch on, but we're going to talk about our whole lives because those are the topics that I think throughout an entire year, the majority of the content is going to apply to the majority of the people. We talk about confidence, beauty, joy, overwhelm, productivity, a full life. It doesn't matter whether you are retired or a you know senior in college. We can both talk about wh- what does a full life mean? Connection, community, compassion. We can be anywhere politically, religiously, and still want those same things. Personal growth, everyone wants that. You know, Even in my business training, half of my Elegant Excellence Mastermind is about mindset because you can be in year one or 10 or 20 of your business and we can all still be working on the same mindset stuff. This isn't a 101 lesson that we learned what the definition of SEO is and how to set it up and then we checked it off and we moved on and now we've gone from a beginning to an intermediate conversation. Everything we talk about here we're all going to, we're all, it applies to all of us. We're all on the journey. Some might be further along. Some might have more life experience. Some might have invested more time. Some might have more years on the planet, but we're all working on our mindset. We're all working on our personal growth, even in uh, like business essentialism, my creative business accelerator course that helps you launch a product more simply. It can be your first launch or your 10th launch. I used it to kick my own tush 10 years into business, creating something during COVID when I didn't have a lot of mental, emotional bandwidth to do that. And people are using it to launch their very first product. So that's just the way my mind naturally works in my style principles, everything that will be in my style book. I've seen, I've had almost 10,000 women go through my style course over the last decade. And I have seen that my teaching truly applies to every age, body type, personal style, level of style ability. And truly, you are all proof. If you want to believe we have more in common than we don't, and that it is possible to talk about a variety and breadth and depth of issues and all take something away and all say, I felt seen and heard, read the reviews of the podcast here. I mean, earnestly, I am the most proud of how often in the reviews you speak to the diversity of the audience or the fact that you are very different from me in some way. You are not an entrepreneur. We are a different age. You are are not religious. You, You know, whatever it is, that to me speaks so much It truly gives me hope in humanity. It gives me incredible pride and honor in what I'm doing in the world. But it also, every single review you write like that, and thank you to the, it's 1,123 of you that have done so, you show your hearts are to connect. Your desire is to have that connection. Your desire is to feel that you have more in common with your neighbor than you do different. And so I am so grateful that you are here. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately are your responses to the last two podcast episodes on motherhood. I said 
In recording the second episode, I said that I would do some Instagram stories follow-ups, sharing your beautiful replies, and I would pin those on my profile. I ran out of time because my parents were here, and um, <laughs> like I, I can't tell you the last time when I had six days where I never had a moment to myself. I love them. We had the best time. It was an amazing trip. But I was like, oh, they're awake when I wake up in the morning and we're together all day. And then we all go to bed at the same time. (laughs) So they left and I just sat on my bed for an hour by myself in quiet, like pretty much just staring at the wall, (laughs) like a little bit on my phone. But I mostly was like, I just need to sit here with quiet and with my thoughts. So That is to say, whether I have by the time you hear this or I will in the future, be sharing more of your responses in the weeks to come because it really was so beautiful hearing your different perspectives as mothers, um, hearing your different stories on whether you you related to my share or you reminded me, I reminded you of, you know, a friend of yours, you could better understand someone in your life. And it really was a classic example of the inclusion that we are talking about here today. Because when I polled this audience, 50% of you are moms and 50% of you aren't. That in and of itself is pretty impressive. I mean, we were pretty, I want to say we were like, Back when we talked about politics in the fall, I want to say we were like 60-40, whether people were voting for Trump or Biden. I mean, we've had a lot of examples where I'm like, yeah, I think we're like 50-50 Christian, not not Christian. It's not, we're talking, we're not talking 5% of people are over here. And then the other 50% who don't have children, that was really deeply divided as well, whether people want to have them, are on the fence about having them, or don't want to have them. And I realized within that there was even a group that I didn't leave space for in the, you know, of course, I wish I could do more nuanced polling on Instagram stories. But there's another group that I've heard from quite often over the years in my DMs that are women that that do want to be mothers, but are at an age in life where they they think that that is very unlikely. They are single, they are divorced. So that's a whole other category of, I actually would like to be a mother, but don't think that I will, but not by choice. Um, And the fact that we could have that conversation on motherhood and include so many people, as I referenced in this episode, there were plenty of women listening who are mothers, who love being mothers, (laughs) and yet who said, you helped me understand someone in my life. Or even though I do love being a mother, I still resonated with certain things that you'd said or or I used to have those fears. And you kind of reminded me I had those fears before. Now I've been a mom for so long, I don't really even think about it because I love it. But I did have those fears. Uh, One beautiful woman said, she said, you talked about being a highly sensitive person as something that, that is a negative in parenting. And I just wanted you to know My mom is a highly sensitive person, and I think she's the best mother in the world. I think it was such an amazing blessing. She's so empathetic. She's so emotionally in tune. Like, I think it can absolutely be a gift. And I love this. She said, and and I am am choosing to be child-free, so I'm not trying to push you into kids. And even there, I thought, here's a woman who listened to two full episodes on motherhood, having decided herself she does not want children. And yet being able to 
you know, hold space and say, I want to hear from other women who feel the same and I want to hear from other women who feel different. So I just really loved that conversation. There were some amazing resources that I either have or will share in Instagram stories and we'll pin those when I do. There were some amazing um, books, Instagram accounts, podcasts that really let me hear I'm not totally crazy. (laughs) Like, oh, there actually are parenting resources out there for people with my vision of parenting. I just hadn't come across them. And I think that that's a really beautiful takeaway as well when we think about this concept of inclusivity, that when we share more and, and, and truly have back and forth dialogue, there are other places that we can feel seen and heard and connect that I think, again, that scarcity mindset says, you're probably a weirdo. That's probably not possible. No one else really feels that way. Like, you're probably in the minority, et cetera. And then to talk about something as vulnerable as those episodes were and to have people reply and say, actually, there's one account that I clicked through and she has like a whole bookshelf of books on like gentle parenting, positive, I don't know, just different things where I was like, oh, there's a whole industry of books out there. I mean, I'm not a parent, so I haven't thought to look at parenting books. And if I hadn't had the conversation and invited you into it and and invited a wide variety of women into it, I then wouldn't have been blessed with as much of the diversity and response that either served my story specifically or gave me more empathy for, oh, there's a whole other, there's a whole other element. What if you know that you have a genetic predisposition to have a special needs child. That is a whole other level of complication. Thank you for sharing that with me because that hadn't occurred to me. And now I just have one more story that I can hold space for how complex this is. And that doesn't mean that every time I mention it, I'm going to, you know, speak to the 27 unique stories that I've heard all in one podcast or one little Instagram story, but it truly does help me have more empathy for everyone's unique, complex story, and more humility that there are so many stories, angles, perspectives, experiences, histories, layers that I haven't thought about. And I think that's the last heart, honestly, of the desire for inclusivity. I really think it's a posture of humility that says, I don't have all the answers, nor is my one lens of the world the most evolved, complex, curious, expansive way to go through life. And if other people will share their stories with me, it will help me be more empathetic and compassionate for others. It will help me judge others less because I I truly understand the, the complexity or I even have the humility to know I may not understand the complexity. I just think it's such a beautiful desire. So thank you again to Sophie for submitting today's question. You can swipe up an email or leave a voice message to inspire a future episode of the podcast. And if today resonated with you and you think that it would make the world a better place, I would be so honored if you would share this episode, share it in your Instagram stories and tag me. I cannot wait to hear more from you over on Instagram and back here next Wednesday with grace and gumption. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.